Hey, today on the show, we have Carrie Spencer. She is a licensed attorney and executive director and founder of RISE. And RISE stands for Restoring Identities After Sexual Exploitation. It's a shelter for girls who are victims of sex trafficking. So this is a very disturbing topic, uh, but one that I feel needs to be brought to the attention of people because I've learned so much about this issue during research. And then I learned even more during the episode while talking to Carrie. Uh, if you or someone you know is a victim of sex trafficking, please reach out and get help. There are links in the show notes. And uh, just a warning with this episode, a lot of the stuff we talk about is very disturbing, shocking, and it's not a fun topic. But again, it's a very important one to discuss and educate people on. And I hope that we can help some people by putting this out here. Please welcome Carrie Spencer to the program. So you you are the executive director and founder of Rise, and it's and that's in Oklahoma, correct? Yes, uh -huh. okay. we are um, about forty minutes east of Tulsa. Okay, and um, so yeah, so just oh, this is so this is kind of a difficult subject to talk about, but I feel like it's one of those things that people need to learn about. And I just I I was very naive about sex trafficking. I thought, oh, that's just something that. You know, it happens in movies and TV shows. That's doesn't and then or other countries. That doesn't happen in the U.S. Um, and now I'm learning so much and how common it is. Um, but let's define what is uh, sex trafficking exactly, because I think people don't even know what that term really means. Okay, so most people, when you say sex trafficking, immediately their mind and the images they conjure up are going to be "quote unquote" traditional prostitution. Um, you know, girl, boy. And man, woman, sorry about that. Um, on the street, walking up to the car and, um, you know, hopping in and accepting an offer to exchange money for some sort of sexual activity. That's what that's what most people think of. Um, and yes, sex trafficking does include um, prostitution. However, sex trafficking and um, commercial sexual exploitation also encompasses um, a lot of other things. It can include exotic dancing, um, pornography, whether that's videos or um, child pornography or other types of pornography online, like still images, those kinds of things. And then what we see with um, our kiddos also includes some, um, we refer to it as survival sex. So what we know is that for kids who run away, who find themselves on the street um, for whatever reason, with no place to stay, no means of supporting themselves, those kinds of things. We know that typically somewhere in the neighborhood of between the first 24 and 72 hours that um, a child finds themselves on the street, that they're likely to be approached by someone who is going to traffic or exploit them. And um or and if it's and if they're not contacted in that short a period of time, they find themselves offering themselves um, as a way to survive. Hey, I'll I'll do this if you'll get me something to eat. Um, you know, it's really cold out here, or the weather's really bad, or whatever. Um, I'm willing to sleep with you if I can stay on your couch. Um, so as a means of survival, and that and so. And then under the law, specifically with regard to the language, what how, how the laws read is that sex trafficking is 
when someone is um, forced, frauded, or coerced into exchanging sex for something of value if they are over the age of 18. And if they are under the age of 18, if they exchange anything of value for sexual activity, then they are considered to be a victim of trafficking. So again, that's if somebody, you know, trades sex for drugs, trades sex for getting their hair done or something to eat, a place to stay, getting their nails done, money, no matter what, if they are under 18 and they've traded something of value for sexual activity, then that is sex trafficking. If someone is over the age of 18 is a legal adult, then we have to be able to prove force, fraud, or coercion in order to um, be able to consider them a victim of sex trafficking. Okay. And then this can happen to anyone, um, but I don't know. I read this on the internet, so you'll have to correct me and tell me if this is right, but it says most of the vul- the most vulnerable populations for trafficking in the U.S. include American Indian, Alaskan Native communities, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, questioning individuals, individuals with disabilities, mm-hmm. uh, undocumented migrants, runaway and homeless youth, and temporary guest workers and low-income individuals. Is that mostly... Is that a majority of the of the victims? Um, it, it is a lot of our victims. And um, yes, traffickers are um, extremely adept at pinpointing those vulnerabilities and exploiting them um, to get their victims to do what they're wanting them to do, which is to engage in this commercial sexual activity. However, That said, even though there are some populations that are more vulnerable to uh, than others, it can happen to anyone. I mean, it can happen to that kid who's from the quote unquote normal family um, and, you know, girls cheerleader and everything's rocking and rolling and looking like, you know, she's on the right track and family's got it all together. And um, even that young lady or that young man um, can can have some vulnerability of some sort that a trafficker hones in on, whether it's, you know, despite what everything looks like on the outside, the self-esteem is really low, or, you know, perhaps the parents aren't, um, you know, they're unhappy and moving towards divorce. And that's causing some, you know, anxiety or emotional stress that, 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 that child just simply doesn't, um, know how to cope with or isn't equipped to navigate that through. And that's a vulnerability that a trafficker might exploit. So really there is no walk of life that is immune to this, but there are some um, populations that seem to be more vulnerable and seem to be overrepresented in the field of victims of um, sex trafficking. Yeah. So again, the re- the way I found you was um, from a news story about this girl at the Mavericks game and um, I don't think this story got nearly the publicity I thought it was going to get. I thought this, oh, my God, this is a huge national news story. I don't think anybody knows about it. The only reason I found out is because my girlfriend works for Tegna, and I think they had that story because of the station in Texas or Oklahoma or wherever it was. Um, but uh, tell us what you can about that story, because it was a girl. She was at a Mavericks game, and she was picked up and and like already sex traffic into hotels and, and through online ads. And there was multiple people involved. It wasn't just like one guy. It was like six or eight people or something. Right. And so to be honest with you, 
I too didn't know about it until the news um, story. That's how little coverage it got. And um, didn't know about it until the news station, local news station here, contacted me and said, hey, will you be part of this story? Do you know about this? I was like, no. And so even I had to go back and look at their original story to find out what they were talking about. But as I understood it, you know, a young lady with dad having... Um, you know, having dad and daughter date night at a ball game and she goes to the bathroom and never, never gets back. And like lickety split before you know it, she's been, um, you know, abducted and, and taken to a different state. And, um, you know, luckily dad was on the ball and making calls and getting law enforcement involved right away. And, and they were able to find her very quickly, unfortunately, not before she had experienced the trauma of this. Um, but you know, that story is, is extremely scary for parents and and for all of us. Um, and I, you know, I think about that young lady and hope that she is getting the services that she needs. I do want um, your listeners to know though that the the stranger abduction and, and taken off like what happened with that young lady actually is not um as common again as movies and TV would like for us to believe. Um a lot of our victims again know they're traffickers because they um they are in relationships with they get into relationships, romantic relationships with people that they meet online. And then eventually meet them and, and, and believe that this is a legitimate um, romantic relationship reciprocated from the person they've been talking to. Um, unfortunately, sometimes um, folks are trafficked by family members, people who are supposed to be taking care of them. Um, and so while abductions like what happens with the young lady at the Mavericks game do happen, it it isn't as often as 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 we think um so, there's something yeah. else going on for sure so yeah that's what i wondered is because i was talking to my girlfriend about this and we were kind of fi- trying to figure out which had she messaged this guy earlier or is this was just a random guy grabs her or how did he get her out of the mavericks game in in broad daylight in public like that yeah and that information um as far as the, those details go i don't have the way it was presented to me is that it was kind of um a random opportune moment for those folks Hmm. as much as that they were looking for someone that that they could do this to. And she happened to be the one. And, but, you know, like I said, a a lot of times um, in, in the stories that the girls stories that we in particular deal with, as we start to flesh out more of the details and they're starting to work through, um, their healing process and, and, and becoming more open, um, to, to talking and, 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 and working through the trauma, we find that maybe there is something else that, that was missed that maybe she did know somebody and, and message them or whatever. But this particular young lady, as I understood it, it was, it was a completely, um, random thing that time. Okay. And you say that it's typically not like, taken with Liam Neeson, or it's also not like pretty woman with Julia Roberts. Like those are two very bad examples of what's what most of the issues that you're dealing with look like. Right. So like I said, um, our girls come from a number of walks of life as well, but they, um, often have been in a relationship with 
the person who ends up trafficking them. That that happens a lot. We refer to that as boyfriending. Um, somebody they they um, get into a relationship with with an older guy um, and you know builds up trust and 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 it's a, a fairly long process sometimes um, that this individual will groom them and then um, once they're they they've groomed them long enough where a young lady trusts them and is in love with them and is willing to do whatever, then they um, then they turn them out um, in into the sex trade. Um, we have had young ladies come whose um, whose parents have actually been involved in their trafficking because parents had their own issues, say, with um, substance use and abuse and um, didn't have the money to pay for the drugs that they were addicted to. And it was a, a way to get those drugs to, to trade their, their children in exchange wow. for drugs. Um, and so, so yeah, then we've, I've had girls who, um, who have come and they've actually been um, what we refer to as friended because trafficking victims are often trained to recruit others um, in to bring others into the fold of of what they're doing, and so I have had that be the case where um, they've made friends with somebody in the neighborhood where they live, or again um, they have um, somebody they knew at school that this was happening to, and they recruited them, brought them in, and um, were groomed again by by someone they know that they thought was their friend and then found themselves in a situation they didn't know how to get out of. Yeah. It's kind of, it reminds me of like the, the Jeffrey Epstein, the just, just lean Maxwell. That's what she did. She, she recruited these women and the women trusted her. Well, cause she's another woman. And then she reveals the, the Epstein and all the craziness of that whole situation. Right. Right. And then, and what happens is, is, um, and then, sometimes folks, one of the ways they'll be groomed is they'll get kids addicted to some sort of a substance, some a substance that they also can't pay for. And so, well, you're going to have to do something for me somehow or some way, because these drugs aren't free. That's kind of like what they did in Taken. They got the girls. I can't remember what drug it was, but they, they hooked them up. Is, is, I know you say Taken, that's not typically what you see, but is that a real uh, is that stuff going on like overseas or maybe not as much in the U S but there is situations like that, right? Yeah, there are situations like that, that are going on, um, overseas as well. And um, with, in, in the United States, it's, um, we talk about it being hidden in plain sight, um, particularly with regard to, um, to say adolescent girls, which is what rise works with, mm-hmm. um, you know, these kids are going to school, um, and, their trafficking is happening after school in the evenings or on the weekends, especially, like I said, if it has anything to do with if they're being trafficked by a caregiver or family member or someone like that, you know, they're, they're going to keep up appearances of normal um, as for as long as they can. So these girls are going to be at school every day um, may not be doing well um, in school because of all that they're experiencing, et cetera, but they're, they're going to be, it's, it's going to look pretty normal. Right. Mm-hmm. Um we see a lot of um, people being brought over um, from other countries to work at the nail salon or work in the restaurant um, 
work as a nanny, whatever. Oh, you're going to be able to um, send money home to your family because, you know, they're in Cambodia and they're really poor there or whatever it is. And you're going to be able to send this money over to, to help them. Then, you know, they get here and and their passports and, and documentation, identification, all that's taken from them and held until they're able to pay back whatever it costs to get them here. But then that goalpost keeps getting moved farther and further out. And so while they may work, actually work in the restaurant and actually work in um a factory or actually work as a nanny, actually work in the nail salon, then the sex trafficking gets brought in alongside because, oh, we could make more money and you could make more money to send to your family and to hurry up and pay your debt off to me if you do this too. So there's all of those kinds of situations as well. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that because it said 80% of the trafficking victims are born in the U.S., but that other 20% so that is what is that's what I was going to ask you about, because I'm in Arizona and that's a big issue right here with the border. People talk about the border and um, and that's what I wanted to know. Is there child sex trafficking uh, victims being brought over through the border? Like, that's what I would think is the deal that they make. Hey, we'll get you to America. And then so that is what's going on is that they're making those like that is a that's a big problem. Right. Um, for, for adults. And then we have actually heard stories, too, of parents in some of these countries where the poverty is just more than anybody in the United States could ever possibly imagine, because we have no idea what it's like to be in poverty here, really. Uh-huh. Right. And so I, I have had heard stories of parents from some of these countries actually willingly again selling children to these people whether it is to be brought into the united states or into another country because again you know they're because they are actually living in the um in the trash dump and so they're in their mind they're like well okay then at least i'm getting my child out of out of this right um and so yeah so it, it it is a problem with people coming in um to the united states that's they're they're tricked into doing these things and and like i said and they don't speak the language and they don't mm. understand you know legal things and don't know how to get out of it so yeah this is so awful and i the problem is getting worse like do you have the statistics i heard i don't know if it was you or somebody i read uh, said that the increase since the pandemic, the online trafficking is up 40%. That's that's like a shocking statistic to me. Yeah, with the pandemic, um, we have seen a lot more um, of internet and online use. You know, I tell you when I, um, I'm actually a lawyer by trade. And, oh, okay. and, and I, when I practiced law, I practiced in juvenile court and I prosecuted delinquency cases. And I prosecuted foster care cases when the state would remove kids for abuse and neglect. And so I didn't come by what, what I'm doing naturally. That's, it wasn't my wheelhouse. Um, and, um, you know, so it took a lot of training for me and um, t- to get to a place where I felt like I was comfortable enough to actually go ahead and take the leap and do this. But I went to a training um, on human trafficking and one of the speakers there actually set up at the time because um, Backpage was still a thing. Um, she set up a surreptitiously, uh, a surreptitious account of herself saying that she was a 12 year old girl right? Or 13 or whatever, um, offering herself and then just let it run in the background while she was talking so that we could watch in real time, um, 
the responses and the hits that she was getting. And I mean, it just ran like a, like a stock market ticker in a one hour um, session at a, at a conference of all of the men that were just responding to this ad that she had literally just set up from scratch at the beginning of our session. Yeah. Explain to me this the, uh, in my audience to the back pages thing. Cause I, I watched a couple documentaries and they kept mentioning that website. I, I think I'd heard of it, but I don't, I didn't really know what it was. And what I, the way I understand it was that they used to advertise on Craigslist back pages or something. And then Craigslist got rid of the classified adult escorts or whatever, but now there's this back pages and I'm probably on some list. Cause I went on the website cause I want to see what is this thing. So I go on there. I mean, it's like hardcore pornography mm. and it's blatant. It's blatant prostitution. I don't understand how that's legal. Now, none of the ones that I saw were underage, but uh, even still, I mean, it's in Arizona. I don't think it's legal to have uh, adult prostitutes. So how is this stuff legal? How is this? How are these sites not shut down? Well, Backpage actually has had a ton of issues, and um, I'm not sure. I was under the impression that with all of the legal issues that it actually had been shut down. So I'm not sure how long ago it was that you got on there, what you were seeing it was this morning. <laughs> okay. Okay. was new or, and, and so there's all of the, the ins and outs of, <clears throat> well, they're adults and um, it's online. And so, um, you know, the, and, and, and even though it may not be legal in Arizona, if they're not in Arizona, then, that's how they're getting around prostitution being illegal in Arizona because this person actually isn't in that state. There's just a lot of ins and outs and they've, they've got hammered with a lot of, um, with a lot of fees, fines, court costs, um, judgments that was, um, that were levied against them in court cases. And, um, there are supposed to be a lot of safeguards and regulations that are put in place on some of these websites um, so that they're supposed to be ensuring that who they're dealing with is an adult, not a minor, but it, it that doesn't happen. Hmm. Yeah. That seems like, I, I guess on the one hand, they should crack down on that. But on the other hand, well, maybe if it's out in the open, that's easier to catch them. Cause that seemed like the documentaries I watched, that's what the cops were doing. And yeah. then you saw, you heard them, they're sending these vulgar texts and they're, they're catching all the guys though. They're catching them like right yeah. away. So maybe yeah. that's a good thing. If you leave it up. I mean, I feel like one out of every three people on there is probably a cop. Like, right. Right. And that's, and, and I know when a lot of the, um, the, the court cases were going on with Backpage and stuff that the police officers that I would talk to, that was kind of where they were, they were, had kind of mixed emotions about that. Like, yeah, we really need to shut this down. I need these people to be safe. And then they're like, but man, it's a really good investigative tool for me because that's how I'm able to get in touch with a lot of these people and, and, you know, make arrests and, and recover these people and, and save them from, from this dangerous world that they're a part of. Um, so yeah, so it's, um, it's kind of a double-edged sword on that, you know, because you, you can see why it needs to be shut down, but then like, Hey, if that's, if that's our out to get a hold of these people, maybe we need to hang on to it for a little longer, you know? Yeah. And so many people being at home, um, and being online, we have seen an increase in particular, you know, with the online pornography and, um, you know, we're finding that pornography, um, as if we didn't already know is just as addictive as substances that people get addicted to. And it does the same changes in the brain chemically that substances do. 
so that when an individual starts watching pornography, you know, maybe they're watching, you know, soft core porn, whatever the term for it is, or, or something that you could still see on, you know, Cinemax or um, HBO. And then just like with a drug, it, it's, you have to start watching it more often in order to get those same feel good feelings. And then after a while, you have to start watching harder and harder stuff to get that same feeling and more violent things. And to, to eventually, the only way that person is going to get those same endorphins and feel good feelings that they have from when they started is to start acting out what they've seen. Just watching isn't enough. Huh. Well, and I mean, if you think about it, most of us who, as I would say, normal folks aren't going to do the things that are in pornography. You're not. You're not going to ask your girlfriend to do that. She's going to look at you like you're a crazy person. <laughs> Probably, yes. Dude, not approved, but I'm not doing that. Yeah. Right? Um, and so then where do they go? Well, if they're paying somebody, they don't really get to say, no, dude, I'm not doing that because they're paying for it, right? Yeah. The thing is, is that in a lot of these images and a lot of this pornographic stuff that we're seeing the girls and the guys that are on there are young, sometimes teenagers. And so the demand for people that they're going to pay to look like the people they see on TV is high. And so we have seen an increase in the use of pornography in the pandemic, which then feeds the demand for the actual trafficking. It seems like there's something wrong with somebody you know, there should be an innate sense between right and wrong that's kind of built into people that goes, this is not like the the fact that people are getting off on on hurting people, basically. I mean, I don't think these girls are enjoying this stuff. I mean, they're doing it, but reluctantly, that's where it becomes like gross to me and really sick. Right. Well, and, you know, when you have um, unfortunately, we're we're living in a in in a time where I I just truly don't understand. Um, I, I have two grown daughters. Um, and so as a mom of, of, of two girls, I just don't understand a lot of things. So we're living in these crazy times where there's a movement to take pedophilia out of the DSM as a disorder and call it a sexual orientation and trying to change the terminology like we're doing with everything else and refer to them to, to folks um, who suffer from this as a minor attracted individual. That's, that's the term for it. You got heterosexual. You know real thing. See, I've, I, I said stuff like that five years ago, that that's where society was headed. And people said I was uh, being crazy, but this is uh, the people are making a movement for this, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and like I said, and, and the, the term they're using is that, that I'm a, I'm an MAP, a minor attracted person. No dude, you're a pedophile. <laughs> And I'm sorry, you're a criminal and, and I, you can call it what you want, but yeah. it's putting lipstick on a pig. It still is what it is. Um, and so, yeah. So, I mean, there's, that's, that's the time we're living in where we have a movement of people who want to say pedophilia isn't wrong that, um, you know, kids really get enjoyment out of having sex with adults and they're fine with it. And I'm like, listen, I run a house full of girls who've been sexually abused their whole life. And I'm here to tell you, no, they don't. They don't enjoy it. They weren't okay with it. And it does cause problems. So you don't, I mean, you can dress it up all you want, but it's not okay. Yeah, no, it's disgusting. And you're hurt. Like I said, you're, you're taking advantage. That's why we have the law that you have to be 18. Um, but I, you know, so the traffickers we talked about online, but they're also, they're trained to recruit kids via school, church, and the internet. 
Um, and then I heard this statistics, 36% of sex trafficking victims are boys. Yeah. And I, I saw this example. This is really gross. They lured this kid in uh, from video games, I, like Discord. And there was a bunch of other ones that I'm, I'm too old to know what the heck these things are. But they lured this kid in and he was living in a trailer in a 55 plus older community. And there was six men involved in this example. They kept the teenage boy in a trailer for over a year and mm -hmm. repeatedly raped him. Yeah. I mean, it's just shocking to me that how are these people finding, how are the other pedophiles finding each other? And nobody is, has the good sense to say, Hey guys, this is wrong. Or I, I don't, it's so confusing to me that this stuff goes on in broad daylight uh, underneath the watch of all these other people that are living in the community. Nobody knew what was going on. Well, and again, that's, uh, that's part of, unfortunately, where our um, society has devolved, not evolved. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't pay attention. And we don't know each other um, like like they did when, you know, when your grandparents and my grandparents were, you know, living in leave it to beaver times or whatever, where, you know, neighbors knew neighbors and were at each other's houses and mm -hmm. and, um, you know, all of our kids played together and all those things. You know, we that, that's what our kids do. Our kids camp out inside and they're on video games. They're not outside playing with the neighborhood kids like I was. And, you know, we didn't talk to and and parents don't talk to each other. And um, so, I mean, we're just, we're kind of oblivious to anything that's going on in, in the world, except for me right now in this moment. And when you're not paying attention and when you don't care, these folks can do whatever they want and no one's looking. Yeah. Well, there, and there's, here's another story. And again, I don't bring this stuff. I just, I don't bring this stuff up to shock people or maybe I do. I just, I think people need to be aware of this stuff is happening. This was a story in Metro Detroit. I don't know if you heard about this one. 12 kids were rescued in a sex trafficking rings. There was eight adults and then 46 uh, Johns or whatever you call it. Uh, but one of the things that the um, on this one was a undercover police officer, a three month old baby and a five year old girl were made a deal to sell the for $600 to an undercover police officer. I mean, that's just the mo one of the most disgusting things I've ever heard in my life. Uh, thankfully, it was an undercover police officer and not a real uh, person. But I mean, is that is that something that's happening? Is it, it's, it's it go that young? They're selling babies and five year olds. Yep. Yep. Every day. Oh my god! It's I just I don't even know what to say to that. I don't know why this is not bigger news or or more people are not discussing this instead of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. I mean, this is a way bigger issue and problem that no one is talking about. It's just, it's shocking to me. I, I don't, I don't know what, how to even proceed with this. It's just really disgusting that how is this not major headline news? Right. Well, and you know, um, I actually, I have a, I have a PowerPoint that I do when I go to civic organizations or church organizations or whatever to talk about trafficking um, and talk about rise And one of and it's um, and one of the slides is just um, is headlines from our area. So, you know, um, state senator convicted of sex trafficking, um, you know, lawyer arrested for child porn, you know, doctor, whatever, like people say, you know, who, this isn't happening here. Who's buying sex? I'm like, let me tell you, it's pastors and lawyers and doctors and police officers and firefighters and teachers and your next door neighbor. It isn't the creepy looking dirty guy that you see on cops. 
Yeah, it could be anybody is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Those are the people who are buying sex. And and so and and I'm I'm not one to sugarcoat things because the girls I work for haven't had it easy. So I'm gonna make it clear to people what's going on. And in the United States, we have a child between the ages of 12 and 14 trafficked for sex for the first time every two and a half minutes. And what is happening is people are paying money to rape our children. Period. This is so disgusting, but I'm so glad that we're shining a light on this problem as hard as it is to talk about it. Um, can you tell me about the connection between foster families and sex trafficking? How, how common is that? So what we know is that about 87 to 90% of kids who are trafficked in the United States have been involved with the foster care system at least one time in their life. Oh, wow. That's a huge percentage. It is. It, and, and that has to do with that vulnerability piece that we talked about before. Okay. We've got kids that are coming from a background of dysfunction already, whether it's mom and dad or drug users, or there's um, sexual abuse or, or some other form of abuse in their house, something that's happened that's led them to be involved with, with a DHS, a CPS, um, and, and get them in foster care for some period of time. And foster care is not, you know, a perfect system. It is what we have, but it's not great. And so while kids are, are taken from their families and, and in foster care for a period of time and families are doing whatever is required of them to get their kids back, some of those issues really aren't addressed necessarily as a head on and as in depth as they need to be. And kids get back home and the issues are still there again or the kids necessarily didn't weren't given the period of time to work through the traumas that came along with being in foster care. And so they're part of that population of kids that are just more vulnerable. They've been abused already. Their self-esteem is, is low. They, they live um, perhaps in a lower socioeconomic status than, than other people. Um, they're, they just already have those vulnerabilities built in. Mm-hmm. And like I said, traffickers um, know you know, perhaps they, their parents are, you know, they're doing the best they can, but, but they're not really well educated. And so they aren't looking um, as closely to what their kiddos are doing online and social media. They just know, well, all the kids are doing it. So my kid's fine. You know, she hugs and kisses me before she goes to bed every night. And so they're not necessarily paying attention to who they're talking to online. But that's a, that's a good uh, demographic for teachers and counselors and neighbors and parents and family members to kind of keep an extra eye on uh, because they're more at risk is what you're saying. Yeah. 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 What about, um, explain this connection. This is an interesting thing to me, branding and tattoos. It sounds like there's a lot of burn scars, branding and tattoos kind of to like the, the people that, uh, the traffickers kind of do this to mark the girls like they own them. And, um, they, I saw a thing where they talked to a tattoo artist who removes them for free or covers them up, which is really cool. He said the markings are getting bigger and they're getting bigger and bigger, which is really disturbing too. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a lot of rules, um, in the sex trade and, um, on the street and a lot of things that, um, um, a kid, because gang activity is, is a big part of trafficking, um, in a lot of instances. And there's just a lot of rules. You don't look, um, 
you don't look a pimp in the eye. And if you look um, because, or, you know, another guy in the eye, because then that person, after you've looked him in the eye, you now belong to him. Um, a, a lot of things like that. And so, yes, the branding that with tattoos, um, whether it's a symbol or an actual name is a trafficker putting their mark to um, show their ownership so that another pimp can't take this girl or this boy um, from them. It is, I mean, it literally is just as you say, it is a, it, it is a marking of property. Um, and we, we have had some girls that have come in with those, um, you know, and especially for the girls who are in um, a relationship with this person, somebody they're in, in, in love with, you know, they're, they're going to have manipulated them into believing, well, it's just like everybody else, you know, she's got her man's name tattooed on, you know, what on her arm. I love you, baby. That's, that's all I'm doing is, is having you put my name on, on you just like everybody else does. But it's, it's the manipulation runs, runs deep. Okay. So that could be another uh, thing. If people see things like that, that could be a sign. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, And one of the things I tell, um, like teachers, um, in particular, um, because, you know, if teachers, teachers pay attention, they know their kids, they know, they know the backgrounds they come from for their families. You know, if you've got a kid who's from a family that, you know, just simply, um, you know, they're, they're not doing as well, maybe as some of your other kids. And, and, and suddenly it seems like she's always coming in with nails done. Well, that's not an inexpensive service. Mm-hmm. You know, her hair's, she's getting her hair colored every six weeks. Um, she's got these name brand clothes or, um, Michael Kors purse or whatever the latest, greatest name brand is, whatever. And you know, that's not the family she comes from. Uh Um, you gotta start asking questions. Girls. I I know when I was in high school, we did it, you know, we'd have our purses when we'd go into class, drop it on the floor by the desk. It's wide open. Teacher walks by and she's got three or four, um, key cards to a motel and she's 15. I'm going to need you to start asking questions because a 15 year old can't rent a room. Uh huh. Yeah, no, that's, that's one of the things with the, um, I think was it the Mavericks girl where they, they said there's so many people that could have brought this to their attention when a, when an older man and a young girl goes to rent a room in a motel and then there's people coming in and out of that room. That's a huge red flag. It's very bizarre that nobody, I think it, I mean, eventually is, is that how they caught the guy? I can't remember, but yeah, 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 that's, and like I said, it's just, it's that whole mind your own business, um, world that we live in. Is there any, so. Well, and that's, is there any correlation with the homelessness and the fentanyl? Cause I know here in Phoenix, that's a big thing. Um, I had a guy on who uh, he's like a YouTuber and he interviews a lot of the kids on the street uh, that are homeless and almost all of them are addicted to fentanyl. Is mm-hmm. that, uh, is there a correlation between that and um, sex trafficking? Yeah. Cause again, that's, I mean, that's going to be, they're homeless and they're addicted to fentanyl and that's how they're going to pay for it. And mm-hmm. I've had um, recently um, several of our girls that have come to rise um, fentanyl has been part of their story when it wasn't. I mean, even just four years ago when we opened in 2018, oh. I mean, like, you know, somebody called me and say, yeah, we, she's been on the run for three weeks. We found her um, in target on Tuesday. She was high on fentanyl. Huh. Like, Okay. And like I said, February, 2018, when I opened up, I never heard the term fentanyl. Yeah. And I never heard um, this guy uh, that I had on, he, he kind of educated me about blues and smoking blues. I was like, what are blues? I guess they're these little blue pills of fentanyl. That's what the, that's what the street name is. I didn't even know what that was. 
Right. And see, and like, for instance, you know, I had one young lady who, um, you know, when, when you get into her stories, well, my mom actually started me on fentanyl when I was 12. Oh my God. Like, okay, great. So clearly, you know, we're, we're not going to be working with mom, (laughs) you know, I'm so, yeah. And, and again, yeah. Um, and that's what, you know, kids go to parties and they're all trading various prescriptions and trying them out. And, you know, kids, literally think nothing for, I mean, I've, I've heard of kids going to parties where, you know, somebody's having a party because parents are out of town for the weekend and everybody decides it might be cool to start experimenting sexually, you know, whether they're trading boyfriends and girlfriends or trying out um, same sex relationships for the first time or whatever. And then here's the thing with when we know, you know, teenagers brains aren't completely developed. Well, then they meet somebody who starts asking them to do something for money. They're like, you know, I've already done it all for free. May as well get paid. And that can't be worse than all these things I've already done. Yeah. And then it's just this downward spiral where they just, yeah. I mean, and that's, it seems like it always starts out with something. I heard this uh, lady tell her story. She was an adult, but it was a thing where she had this boyfriend and he would just plant little seeds. And I think that's the grooming process. Like, oh, I know this girl that she got made, you know, $500 a night stripping. And like the girlfriend was kind of like, oh, that's weird. And then like, as like time got went on and then they had money problems, then it was like the seeds were already planted. And then it was just like this downward spiral is really strange. Yeah. And then, like I said, and and then they can't get out of it. They can't can't see a way out of it. Or, and like I said, in particular with adults, because of having to prove that force fraud or coercion, which is difficult from an adult perspective, what they wind up with is, is being arrested over and over and over again for solicitation or prostitution. And they have this um, terrible record that then follows them for the rest of their lives and they can't get legitimate work. Um, And, you know, for as much as they, you know, and maybe they find themselves out of the life um, several times, but then because of their criminal record as an adult, they can't get a job to support themselves. And so they, they Mm. just fall back on this is because it's what they know. Mm. Yeah, That's that's terrible. That's well, hopefully that's something that we can change if we shed a light on this and you know we i think people can change i think people can do amazing things so i don't think that should be something that should be held against them yeah, what about sure. um with uh religious cults and is that a common thing or is that pretty uh, is that kind of rare with the sex trafficking there like we just watched the uh netflix documentary keep sweet pray and obey because that's it takes place a few hours from here in arizona um mm-hmm. that cult was there and i mean it was just disturbing to hear about that but is that is that more of a rare thing or do you see some of that I have not ever seen um, any of that. You know, we do know the stories about um, some of the religious cults and fanatics and things where they take multiple wives and some of them are very young. Mm -hmm. But as far as then um, like turning them out um, on the street and and being publicly traded, um, I've 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 not heard of that. Okay, what Uh, what what I've heard of it has always been within, you know, just just within that that cult not that it's any better but right okay kind of a different thing gotcha now what about with these conspiracies like how high up do these trafficking rings go because again when i see these like six people involved eight people involved i mean is there do you think there's like another jeffrey epstein out there right now that just hasn't been caught oh i believe it 100 percent 
That's some scary stuff. Um, And I I try not to be a conspiracy theorist, but I'm telling you, when you start following the money and you start following some of these other things, and I mean, and and then, like I said, and just knowing that um, the people who sell and the people who buy are from all walks of life and all professions and all of these kinds of things, you know, it isn't far-fetched to me to believe that they're you know, is a network and layers upon layers upon layers. And if we ever knew the truth of how high up it would go, we would all just be amazed. Well, yeah, because they're probably having some of these guys take the fall for them that are the the lower level people, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, then there's you no know, money is a powerful thing. It's, it's, and it's a powerful motivator yeah. you know? and people are willing to do whatever it takes to keep having that money come in. And well, yeah, and it, it, it seems like, again, not to get too much on this conspiracy thing, but uh, I don't think they've, have they released the list of people that went to the Epstein Island? Like that's another thing that's really kind of disturbing to me is that these people are not being, uh, I know they went after just, just Lane Maxwell or whatever, but what about all the people that visited the Island that, that had sex with the minors? Are they not being arrested too? It seems well, not so far, like I said, and, you know, we keep, we hear talk about, you know, maybe she's going to release her quote unquote black book or her customer list. Maybe she's not, I don't know. That's um, up for debate and whether or not she's trying to make deals about that so that her consequences are lesser if she's willing mm. to, to, to give names and those kinds of things. And like I don't, your consequences don't need to be lesser and I still need the names, you know? Yeah. It seems like they should be able to find it if they, I mean, they, I'm sure they have a warrant by now and they've been able to look at they, they really hit it that well that they, the FBI can't find it or DEA or whoever is in charge well, of this. I don't know that they necessarily haven't found it. I just think that perhaps um, some of the names are of folks that are so powerful that they're not going to do anything about it. Yeah, that's some scary stuff. And uh, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of problems with the justice system in this. And I, I heard one of the things is the the long wait between the arrests and the trial for the traffickers, and then that the victim has to kind of relive it. Mm-hmm. Like, how many victims just drop out because they don't want to testify and relive all this stuff? A lot. And 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 so and not having um, the testimony of the victim, um because there's all of the legal mumbo jumbo of corroboration and, and, and things like that. When you don't have the testimony of the person that it actually was happening to, it can make a case very hard to prosecute. And so um, what we see a lot are cases pleading out to some lesser charges um, to avoid that additional trauma um, to the victims or because victims don't want to testify and be cooperative with, with that part, because, you know, I, I had listened to and, and, and heard a number of victims who are adults speak and, um, and tell their story, whether it's at a conference or whatever. And, you know, when you get to talking to them, they'll tell you that, you know, especially when they were a lot closer in time, to their trafficking happening that the first time that they told their story in public that, you know, they would go back to go home or wherever and, you know, be in a, in a fetal position um, of, you know, PTSD or um, just anxiety and depression and fear and all of those things from telling their story um, in public and, and, and the reliving that they're having to do just to, to explain to you 
and to tell you, here's what happened to me. And here's why you need to know this is going on. Mm-hmm. And, and so then you put them in the adversarial um, setting of, of a courtroom with the idea that, um, you know, anything can happen no matter how good the evidence is, someone still may not be found guilty or whatever. And, and that whole thought process going along with the, and I have to sit right in front of him or her because traffickers can be women mm-hmm. um, and have to say all of these things that I'm so ashamed of. It's, it's a really hard sell sometimes to get someone to say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go through that process, even though with every fiber of their being, they want this person to be held accountable and not be able to do this to anybody else. Hmm. Yeah. That's a, I, I don't know what, how would we, could we change the law so that they could just testify on a video or something? Cause that, that does seem very skewed to in the abuser's favor. Well, and there, and, and the, all of the states have um, the availability of closed circuit TV for some testimony and things like oh, that in, okay. in sex cases, but it requires motions to be filed and, and party, you know, parties to be in agreement and a judge to allow it and all of those things. And that we have had a couple of Supreme Court rulings that have come down with regard to um, being able to um, face your accuser that have um made some of that a little bit more difficult to do in certain cases, in certain situations, and because of the confrontation clause and that the constitutional right to that. Um, But, but there are some options like that, that can be used. Um, And I I think a lot of prosecutors, you know, use it as much as they possibly can, but sometimes it just isn't allowed in, in whatever court for whatever reason. And so. Mm. Okay. Well, let's, um, let's educate the people about the red flag. So we talked about some of them, like you said, the fancy purses, the motel key cards, um, some other ones. And again, these are not, you know, if person has one of these doesn't mean they're necessarily, but it's just good thing to, it's a red flag for sure. Like person seems overly fearful, submissive, tense, or paranoid. And this is an interesting one. Person is deferring to another person before giving information. Right. So that certainly you're going to see um, maybe in a healthcare setting, like in an emergency room, mm. um, somebody comes in um, and they have an injury. Um, again, lot some of the dynamics too are going to be very akin to what we expect to see, say, in a domestic violence victim. So we're going to get weird and out there um, explanations for injuries or or explanations for injuries that don't correspond with the injury itself or just don't make sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Or so they're in an emergency room and um, in, in the context of girls with a guy and the guy's doing all the talking, answering all the questions, even the history questions, the health history questions that she should be doing all the answering, or, you know, she does look at him or defer to him before she gives an answer, those kinds of things. Um, you are going to see that. I know um, one of our young ladies actually helped me. I did a presentation for um, and and conference for paramedics and EMTs. Mm. And um, I was like, okay, so what do you want these folks to know? What do you want them to be looking for? And she said, well, first of all, they need to be really cognizant of where they're being called out to, right? Are you being called out to a CD motel? Mm. Are you being called out to to an address and it's an abandoned house, but this girl claims is where she lives. Um, You know, pay attention again to what is she wearing when you get called out as a paramedic? 
Is she, you know, is she only wearing underwear? Um, or is she very clearly 14, 15 years old? And um, that lingerie is clearly meant for an adult woman. Um, you know, those kinds of things. And again, um, what explanation is she giving you for injuries? And I know she talked about too, even um, sometimes bruises and injuries not being covered up, whether it's marks around the neck from being choked or other things like that. She said, because the particular pimp that she had would not make sure always that injuries were covered up because he needed that to be assigned to his other girls. Oh, that when you don't do what you're supposed to, this is what happens. Wow. Right. So, 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 so that was one of the things too. She says like, even pay attention to those injuries that are visible. No, that makes sense. Not just the ones that aren't. Right. So you behavior, clothing, uh, inappropriately sexual or inappropriate for weather, the girls overly sexual, uh, minors unaccompanied at night or falters in giving an explanation of who they are with and what they're doing. What is it? This one says identification documents are held by, oh, yeah. So like if the, if the, somebody else has their ID and stuff, that would be a, a sign. Right. So like, like we were talking earlier for the folks who are maybe here from another country mm. and the folks are holding on to their documents right. and identification until their debts paid off um, again, or for, you know, someone who is um, an American, they, they should have a hold of all of those themselves, but you know, their explanation is, you know, well, I don't have that because some, somebody else does or, you know. Yeah. yeah. And multiple phones or multiple social media accounts can also be a yeah. sign, a red flag. We have had a number of girls who that is how um, their trafficking was actually discovered is oh. that they had phones that they couldn't explain. And um, mom and dad didn't get it for them. And um, so when somebody wants to start looking at their phone, they lose their absolute ever loving mind um, about people looking at this phone. And um, so, yeah, so an unexplained phone um, or just a a phone where somebody is absolutely going to just, I mean, completely falling apart at the thought of you going through it. That's how a number of our girls have been, their trafficking has been discovered. So if parents check their kids' phones, I know that kids probably don't want to hear that. Sorry, kids. But, uh, you know, parents got to be parents and uh, do the parenting job. And uh, I think I know there's like programs and things that I I think I heard you or somebody talking about a program that you could put on the kid's phone where if if words like sex or things like that, it'll notify the parents. What was it? uh, Was it called like Damsel in Distress or something like that? Damsel in Distress is a is a um, direct sales company that sells self um, protection um, stuff to women, and okay. they actually have an app that you yeah. can subscribe to that will notify parents. But you know, some of the cell phone companies have some um, parental controls that you can subscribe to now that do the same thing. There is actually um, a couple of phone companies. One is called Gab, G-A-B-B wireless. That okay. is very specifically made for kids where you can't even put the internet and social media apps on it. And then, and that you have to actually pay extra to allow your kids to be able to receive photos in their text messages. 
Okay. Like literally make phone calls and get phone calls and they can send texts, but on, but words only unless you pay the extra monthly fee for them to be able to do group texts or photos. Um, so it's massively um, controlled cell phones. So there are a number of those. And then we too, I'm just, um, there is a, certainly on Facebook, there is a group called Protect Young Eyes that is, um, that is really great. They keep up with um, a lot of um, the apps that are coming out and websites and are really good to, to provide educational materials for parents. And then um, I will regularly, even on our Facebook page, share graphics that say, hey, these apps you know, if your kids got them and you want your kid to keep having them cool, but you really need to keep track of what's happening there. Um, and then if you can live with your kid without letting them have those apps, that's even better. Um, just because they're, I mean, the, the apps and, and the internet is just, it's terrible. Yeah. So that, that's great. I'll put some of those links in the show notes. What other big scale, type solutions if you like if you had a magic wand like is there certain laws that you would change like i mean i feel like i I don't know maybe the back pages again we kind of talked about that maybe there's some pros to having that be out in the open uh maybe laws of the border uh more home visits by social workers like i don't know like what what kinds of laws could we do or, or solutions to this problem i mean i guess a big thing to me i feel like is awareness i feel like a lot of people don't even know this is going on Yeah. Awareness and education always is that first step. But I think that we need to be a lot better in um, our country and a lot harder on the people who are actually buying sex. Okay. Yeah. Because I, what is the, what is the uh, punishment for that? I I thought I saw one thing where they put the guy away for 14 years. That was the John or the customer, whatever you call it. And we are getting better about that. But in a lot of places, again, if we don't have um, a lot of cooperation from victims, it's going to wind up being a misdemeanor solicitation charge or pandering. And I'm really? like, and I'm like, listen, um, if, if, if a police officer busts up into the motel six room and dudes there and the girl's 14, I'm, I'm going to need a whole lot more than a misdemeanor pandering charge. That's it. That's only a misdemeanor for a 14 year old solicitation. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it, it can vary from state to state, but I mean, like I said, if you don't have cooperation from your victim, you know, there's um, all different ins and outs of, of how someone can get that down to a misdemeanor. But I mean, there are a lot of places wow. where, where what's being pursued against those people who um, purchase is, is going to be pandering um, or solicitation. And I'm like, I, I just, that's not enough. So cracking down and tougher laws will put some of these people away. So, cause if they're Mr. Mina, then they're going to get out and then they're going to do it again. Right. So is and, it a lot of repeat offenders? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and you know, we have the States have laws um, on the books that um, don't allow um, minor victims to be charged with like prostitution and a lot of states that um won't let you um pursue charges against minors if the crime arose out of their trafficking so like um they can't be charged with the recruiting piece or i mean even i mean because there there are some other crimes um you know robbery and things like that that can actually arise out of, of trafficking um so that if if it arises out of that and they're minors, you can't let them do that. But I think that there needs to be some changes in the laws, <clears throat> excuse me, with, re- with regard to adults as well, because I'm a woman and I'm here to tell you, I've never um, 
gotten up one morning and said to myself, you know what, I think that my career choice is going to be one that requires me to have sex with strangers who may or may not beat the crap out of me, um, hold guns to my head, knives to my throat, where I'm going to be arrested regularly, have this terrible criminal record (laughs) and this sick stigma. I mean, it's not a choice, even if you're an adult. Yeah, it's it sounds things, awful. Yeah, you know, there's been things that um that have gone on in that man or woman's life up to this point that have put them in a position to believe that the only way that they have to support themselves is this. Right. And so I think that we we need to look at our laws um with regard to to the criminal records we're giving to adults that are part of this world as well. Okay. That's a great, yeah. I like all that stuff. So now tell me um, about uh, more specifically about rise. Uh, I know you have housing for, is it seven people or nine or it was soon to be nine. Soon to be nine, but it's seven right now. Mm -hmm. So, so rise stands for restoring identities after sexual exploitation. And we are, we're a treatment home, a long-term treatment home for teen girls. Um, that's, Currently, you know, in in a in a perfect world, if I had all the money in the world, <laughs> I would love to have um, a campus that was for victims for boys. Oh yeah, because we only have a few locations in the country um, that actually provide services for boys. Really, but because the overwhelming majority of victims are girls, that that's who we focus on, and okay. we take girls as young as twelve. They can stay with us past 18, um, but under our licensing in Oklahoma, they have to admit to rise before their 18th birthday, but then they can stay past that. Um, How long know. can they stay past? It just depends. It's really kind of up to us and them okay. as they're still in services. But we, um, like I said, we provide comprehensive services to the girls. Like I said, they live here. And they go to the public school here. It's online and all virtual in-house. That's for their safety and confidentiality. But Mm -hmm. they are enrolled students um, in our public school here for the girls that that makes sense. Everything is individualized. So, you know, we have some girls that come that, you know, based on their age and how far behind they are in school, a GED makes more sense. So if, if that makes more sense for a young lady rather than than working on traditional high school diploma, then we're going to work on that as well. So they get um, individual counseling, group um, counseling, family therapy for those whose families are supportive and and are going to be a part of that. We do tons of life skills groups and um, job skills groups. We have the electronic infant simulators. And so all of our girls have to be parents uh, for for a while. And we do, um, we do a, a sex education week. Um, every quarter, and believe it or not, um, the girls actually learn things that for as much as they've experienced, they don't know. Like, we go out and we buy all the fruits and vegetables, and they learn how to put on condoms. Most of them don't know how to do that. We talk about pregnancy. We talk about sexually transmitted diseases, all of those kinds of things. Um, birth control, all of those kinds of things when we do, um, when we do that, that week but lots of life skills groups. And then we do a lot of just normalization, recreation. Let's be a regular kid. So we're going to go swimming. We're going to go roller skating. We're going to go to the movies. And I have one staff that this is totally her wheelhouse. She has um, a couple of girls, daughters 
younger daughters at home. And so she she's seems like she's always the one who does this. They have, they put on their own beauty pageant and they do um they'll do celebrity lookalike stuff where they'll pull up pictures online of of celebrities they like and then they'll they'll all sit around and do each other's hair and makeup and to try and look like that picture or <laughs> um you know um and then, but we do lots of things in the community too um for for that we we have a, a historical theater in our downtown and they do a a camp every summer for a week where the girls focus on um, dancing and acting and singing. And so we've had a couple of girls go do that. And then they put on a show at the end of the week. Um, and then we do lots and lots and lots of um, community service and, and give back stuff. So we have a large um, veterans hospital here in our town. So the girls will make cards for the veterans that are there. They make baked goods and take them to the police department and they go hang out with residents at nursing homes and, um, just all kinds of stuff like wow. that. They've, they've served lunch at the local homeless shelter. Um, yeah. So wow. and- that sounds like all great stuff. I love all this. My, my concern was, would be, uh, with this place now, is this a hidden location or do you have security? Because I would be scared of some of these traffickers getting angry and coming back and trying to find the girls. Right. So we do not um, disclose our street address and um, it's not published anywhere. We okay. actually, we have like, if you, when you're on our website, it says PO box, whatever. Mm. And I'll have people um, say, so you're located in this town where our PO box is. And I'm actually, mm, no, um, actually, no, I'm not, but I, I did that on purpose. Um, right. So our PO box isn't even in the same town where, oh, perfect. Uh, where the house actually is. Okay. Um, and we do have, um, our, we have secured doors. People can't just walk in like um, my, they have key codes and my staff have to put in a code um, to get in. And um, we have a security gate where, again, when when visitors come for whatever reason, they pull up to the gate and they have to um, they have to call and phone number to be buzzed in. Okay. And then, like I said, then they get to the front door and they still have to, someone has to go let them into the building, even if they're already on campus. And we just don't have a ton of visitors either. Every visitor is cleared by me. Um, and if, um, and you know, and there's confidentiality agreements, like I don't even, I don't even interview for staff to work here on site. Like I make them meet me at a local coffee shop and I do an interview to hire somebody on site. And they do not come um, on campus to be a staff member until I've had the interview process. I've done the background and fingerprinting check process. And I've said, yes, you work here now. Um, How many staff members do you have? We have, um, if, when you count me, we have 11. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a big staff. Yeah. So can people, I always end each episode with a charity. Can people donate to, to this as a nonprofit or is there another charity that you recommend people give to? Yes, we are hundred percent nonprofit 501 C three. Okay. Every dollar that we have goes to perfect providing the services and, and letting the girls live here. Okay. So if people want to help this cause, they can donate to you because you're doing the Lord's work over there. I mean, it's amazing. I love it. I love what you're doing. And hopefully again, like we've, like I said, we've kind of shed a light on this for some people. And I hope this issue gets more publicity. I I just, I don't understand why it doesn't, but uh, I'll do my part, you know, with my tiny little podcast here. So hopefully this uh, informs some people and educates. Yeah, I hope so. And like I said, what I have found is that um, trafficking sometimes, I I refer to it as the topic du jour or the social issue du jour, because it seems like it kind of goes in waves where it, there's, there's a lot of awareness and it's, and it's, um, you know, every cable news 
channels running some sort of one hour special or there, you know, there's tons of made for TV movies or whatever about it. And then it kind of drops off and, mm. and people forget. And then something happens like Jeffrey Epstein and, and then everybody's talking about it again. And then it kind of drops because nobody wants to talk about people having sex with our kids. It's disturbing. It's you know? massively disturbing and it's massively disturbing on how common it is. And, and like we said before, like how many, how, there's multiple people involved and we don't know how far these things go up. And I mean, it's, it's really, I feel like there needs to be a bigger crackdown. I mean, you said, you know, the laws making the laws um, stricter. I agree with that, but I also think there needs to be more investigation into to this stuff and, and more uh, uh, law enforcement teams dedicated to this uh, issue. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and we, you know, we have law enforcement um, agencies here that have specific um, divisions that are um, just the trafficking unit. Um, Mm -hmm. But then, you know, smaller places there, or, you know, folks that just don't have as many resources, perhaps um, there, maybe it's their vice unit that already exists. That's going to be a lot of that. Um, But yeah, it's, we need a lot more. um, And it, but it, it seems like, you know, like I said, in, in our, in our current climate, it's it's one one of many things in the basket, and sure. it's it's not the one that's getting the most attention compared to everything else. Right. Well, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of problems in the world, but geez, this one to me is at the. It's got to be towards the top of the list, if not the number one issue that needs to be uh, solved. I, or maybe not solved completely, but geez, uh, improvements and cracking down on some of this stuff and and changing some laws and. Uh, raising awareness is huge too. So, well, thank you so much for doing this. Anything else I missed or anything else you want to bring up? No, nope. like I said, anybody um, wants to support us, they can always check out our website. It's yep. just riseshelter.org. And um, my email address is listed there and anybody can reach out to me anytime. Um, okay. I, think, I think even my personal cell phone number may actually even be on there too. And like I said, I can't ever get away from my phone. So if anybody okay. has any questions or wants to help in any way, just, they can just get on there and reach out to me and be happy to chat with them anytime. Okay, I'll put that in the show notes too so people can just click the link. All right, thank you, thank so, you so much. much. All right, bye bye. Okay, thank you again to Carrie Spencer from Rise for all the work that she's doing. Uh, her, the link to her organization is in the show notes along with the links for getting help. If you want to make a difference, you can donate to Carrie's organization, Rise, or even just sharing this episode and helping spread the word and educate people on the problem is helpful too. Thank you so much for listening or watching. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you'll be updated on future episodes. Have a great rest of your day and shoot for the moon. Bye.